Hello everyone and welcome to episode 393 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have a small crew here this week. Uh, Krim, unfortunately, having some internet issues, so no Krim this week, but I am joined by the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Hey Seth, I, I don't have Spectrum, so I'm here. <laughs> I, I have Spectrum, but I'm on the other side of the country, so I guess I dodged. Uh, but yeah, well, I feel bad for Krim. Krim, for someone who makes his living like streaming and doing content on the internet, he has a rough time with his internet out there. Uh, he, you guys must have the bad Spectrum out west, uh, I guess, because everyone gives me these horror stories, but somehow my experience with Spectrum has like, been neutral to maybe even positive, which is so <gasps> weird, because all positive. I hear is like these... <laughs> Like, it's just worked. I haven't had a lot of issues with it. So I guess that's what I expect out of my internet is, like, if it's on every day, I'm pretty happy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I don't know how I dodge, but somehow <laughs> I've gotten lucky with my Spectrum. But anyway, so small small crew this week. And really, it's kind of a late news week. We're waiting uh, next Thursday, the 18th. We get the huge announcement of all the sets for 2023 Magic. We start Dominator United spoilers. So things are going to get pretty wild pretty quickly here in the Magic world. World. But for this week, honestly, really nothing happened news-wise. So we have a fun topic for today. We're going to discuss the best card in Modern. Uh, do a little debating about what card overall might be the best in the format. This was inspired by a, a post that someone put on the, the Modern Reddit, r slash Modern Magic or something like that, about asking what is the best card in Modern? What's the best Modern card? So we want to weigh in and kind of debate that a little bit. So that's the plan for today. And then, of course, answer your fish mail question. But before we get to that, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit's the easiest way to sell your magic cards. If you're tired of all the hassles it takes to buy list your cards, Card Conduit's got you covered. It lets you skip over all the typing all the time, all the work that it takes to sell your cards. Their curated service lets you send in as many cards as you want with a buy list, with a buy list value of $1 or more, and you'll pay just a 5% service fee. And if you wanna put in a little bit of effort, you can use their sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance and pay just a 2% fee. No matter which option you choose, you're gonna get a detailed report with all the results in a fast payment once your order's been processed. And right now, you can even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some modern. So Richard, our topic for today, the best modern card, what is the, the criteria we're using for this? We were debating this a little bit earlier because modern's been around a decade now. There's obviously some really busted stuff on the ban list, like Hayek dominated and then was banned or whatever, Ayavugan from Eldrazi winner. What is our kind of criteria for this discussion today? All right, we're gonna keep to cards that are currently legal. Um, I think we've had a lot of discussions on the ban list and, you know, some of these cards are never going to see the light of day again. So that's just theoretical. But these are cards you can play with today. So what is the best card in modern? And we're going to analyze it in today's metagame. Um, this one's a little suspect because we have some some of these cards have storied histories. So should you take them at the peak of their prime or should you take them in today's standard? And I think we need to consider <laughs> modern horizons to uh modern sorry uh and you know see how they hold up and see if you know their their story you know are they like the guy that should have retired already or are they still you know churning out right so we're gonna, we're gonna go over that we got some got some spicy contenders here so it's gonna be an interesting list 
Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. This should be a fun topic. Richard trying to find a way to sneak Tarmogoyf on the list, or at least give it a little credit. Like, eh, it might not be good anymore, but back in my day, <laughs> my two mana five six was was the best card in modern. But well, actually, let's start there, Richard. Uh, does Tarmogoyf even deserve mention today, or have we already ruined our podcast by even mentioning the name Tarmogoyf in 2022 modern? You know what? Tarmogoyf is not the best card, but even though we meme on it all the time, I think it's still really good, and I think it deserves. An honorary mention or you know if it was a maybe top 10 is too much like if there was a top 50 or something like it would be in there somewhere right it's still a beater and it, it's it's got upgrades over time right like yes over time more things kill it like fatal push on uh the unholy heat but um it's gotten bigger over time people play bobbles and stuff it's now like a two man uh five six normally uh, six seven is quite normal as well. You can even get to a seven eight quite easily without doing weird tribal shenanigans. Whereas back in the day, it was like you were happy with the four five. So I think he actually holds up and like kind of playable. Uh, I mean, I will say we actually literally have a top fifty list of the most played cards in the format. And uh, unfortunately for Goyf, it doesn't show up as one of the 50 most <laughs> played creatures in modern anymore. But, but, yes, that, that it's not a power ranking. It's just what people play. And maybe everyone is wrong and, and Goyf is still broken. But, I mean, Goyf's not that bad. We do like to meme on it. But it still does offer a lot of stats. Is it's it definitely not, not what it was in green 2015. Creature? But Like, uh, just pure green. No, you can't mix in other colors. I mean, endurance? I think was endurance, that? I was going to say, <laughs> might be in that conversation. It's endurance not is as a big, sideboard but... card, though. Tarmogoyf is main uh, deck material. Endurance is a bench warmer, Seth. Can we really put I mean, endurance? <laughs> Tarmogoyf is, well, Primeval Titan. Maybe Primeval Titan. Oh, oh, that oh, might oh, beat out Goyf. Oh, oh, this podcast is <laughs> over. Maybe <laughs> Birds of Paradise. <laughs> Maybe but I mean, Tarmogoyf is... Like, as far as just a green beater, it still hasn't really been beaten out. It's not like we have, you know, a, a werewolf pack leader card or something. That's just like, if you just want to play a, a beat down two drop in your green deck, I don't think anything is top Goyf yet. So even though Goyf, it definitely has a lot more competition now. We got way more strong cards than we did a decade ago or even five years ago. As far as just being a big green beater, Goyf still does kind of get the job done. Although, no, no, no. I mean, okay, wait, 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 wait. Does, here's the downfall of Goyf, Seth. One mana Death Shadow destroys Goyf. How about Construct Tokens coming for free off your land destroys Goyf? How about two mana Murktide that, like, flies and is bigger than Goyf? Like, this is why Goyf is kind of... Like, if you refuse to play the meta, Goyf is pretty good. But all the meta creatures just outshadow Goyf, which is why Goyf is kind of down in the dumps currently. Yeah, it's it's been a bad few years for Goyf, because first we got all the removal that can kill it easily, uh, fatal pushes and unholy heats, and then we just got all these, like, super push creatures, which, you're right, like, I, the constructs I make with my Urza Saga are often just bigger than a Goyf, and it's coming on land, and I get two of them, and I get to tutor something else afterwards, or my Murktide region is just bigger than a Goyf, and it flies, and it grows throughout the game, like, so it does kind of just not stand up to as much as it could or did in the past, I don't know. Maybe they'll find a way to improve Goyf someday. Like, maybe we get Super Goyf and Goyf will be back. But for now, I'm pretty say, uh, confident, I guess, in saying that Goyf is not the best card in Modern. But what could be the best card, Richard? Well, give me give me a pick. What's a, what's a pick that you have for possible best card in current Modern? All right. I think this is the right answer. And it's one that most people don't initially think of. But it's got to be Fetchlands, right? It's the, it's the glue that holds Modern together. 
And not only does it give you perfect mana, essentially perfect mana, but it powers all of the most powerful strategies, which is like delve, like graveyard strategies, delirium, things like that. So there's a lot of stuff. And if you just look at, say, Arena and Tarmogoyf, where there's no fetch lands, like Tarmogoyf is so sad over there <laughs> because there's no fetch land to power up Tarmogoyf, right? There's no fetch land to power up your delve spells. So is it fetch lands? Hmm. So I would definitely give Fetchlands most important cards in Modern. You are 100% right. They hold the format together. If Fetchlands didn't exist, Modern would look a ton different. Like, the decks that you see now, I don't think would be decks. You wouldn't see the five-color money piles. You wouldn't see four-color living ends. Like, the format would look, uh, you wouldn't see Death Shadow in its current form. Like, a lot of decks would not be what they are today if Fetchlands didn't exist. Does that make them the best, though? Like, couldn't you use that same argument for other land cycles? Basic land, shock lands? No, like, I don't play just basics. because you need to play them a lot, does that does that actually make them the best? And I'm not 100% sure. Like, eh, I don't know. Right so, six, it's just $60 of garbage without a fetch land, right? Uh, like, it I powers mean, so much. Like, Omnath. Like, all these cards that we're going to have on our list are, like, useless without fetch lands, right? Like, I guess you could somehow trigger Omnath with an Explorer, but you're really just fetching, right? And you get so much value out of it. The extra landfall trigger. I mean, looking at some of the, the heavily played cards, you are you are right. It is growing your Tarmogoyf. It is filling your graveyard for Murktide Regent. It is uh, growing your Death Shadows. It is fixing your mana, obviously. It's shuffling for your Jace effects or other synergies like that. So Fetchlands, they're in the running. I, I will give them that. They're certainly very important to the format. The format would look way different without them. And they are very good, but I don't know if I'm willing to say they're literally the best card in modern especially oh, we just got modern horizons 2 not that long ago like if we want to talk about best cards i think we got to go right to a cycle like right now in modern the cycle of evoke elementals are kind of dominating the format if you look at just the most played creatures endurance number one fury number two subtlety one of the forgotten evoke elementals that no one really played up to number four a late riser and then solitude number seven grief not currently on our list of most played although i expected so 26 for grief so this is a cycle all from one set that is currently making up almost half of the top 10 creatures in the format so what do you think about the evoke elementals i think i would argue yeah fetch lands are great they fix my mana they let me cast stuff but they don't literally win me the game like if my deck was all fetch lands and no creatures i'm probably not gonna win but if my deck didn't have fetch lands but was still casting endurances in furies and subtleties and solitudes i'm probably gonna win a decent amount of games even with the poor mana base so what about uh, these evoke elementals could they be the best card or one of them be the best card in modern Maybe? How, how about, okay, if you just push out entire archetypes out of modern, can you be considered the best card? Like, Fury just absolutely yeah. destroys any go-wide tribal, like, anything, right? Like, it's not even, like, card disadvantage by evoking. You just, like, evoke, spend two cards, kill, like, four 1-1s, and, like, your opponent's in shambles, right? Uh, so, yeah, they're very powerful, they are the linchpin of a lot of decks, especially something like Endurance, which is like a sideboard card, and you need Graveyard Hate. Um, but yeah, I mean... We've, I seen we've seen entire archetypes essentially be born because of these cards. Like, there's a lot of decks that's just like 
play as many of these as possible. I'd even argue that like the money pile decks that are so popular with Yarion, sure they got a lot of just like strong cards and you got Teferis and Wrens and fetch lands. But when it comes down to it, like that's an excuse just to jam a bunch of Furies and Solitudes and Endurances. We've seen Boros stacks that are essentially exclusively built around the power of Fury and Solitude for removal. We've seen uh, Cascade elemental decks with Glimpse uh, of Tomorrow to put a bunch of them into play. We've seen straight up elemental decks whether or not they're literally number one on the list, I don't know, but I feel like coming from a busted set like Modern Horizons do, these cards have had a huge, huge impact on the format to the point where at this point, I think maybe they're even ahead of some of the other cards from that set that were busted, like Ragavan, for example. What about Ragavan? Like, is that the best card in the format? It's a one drop that can literally win the game by itself. If that goes unchecked, it wins you the game. It snowballs and generates card advantage and generates uh, mana. What more could you want? Is that just like the best card? I could see an argument for that. Of course, that's depending on your opponent not killing it and it is just a two one. But if it sticks around, that probably is the strongest card in modern, especially compared to its uh, mana value, I would say. So I think Ragavan might win for most salt-inducing card. Actually, <laughs> maybe there's other cards more salty, moon. but it's pretty salty where your opponent is just like Ragavan. Uh, they're on the play. You you don't have removal on the spot, and then you're dead because now they're playing a, a Delver game essentially, right? Where they're playing a tempo game where they counter everything you do. They're getting card advantage and mana. Uh, but having said that, I actually don't think it's it's actually on this list here. It, it's just salty Ooh. and like very annoying, especially in that is it shell. But it dies to like everything, and it's a two one, right? Like if you have any creature, it gets stopped. So that's true. Yes, it snowballs out of control, but it's also very easy to deal with. Whereas like it's kind of hard to deal with evoke elementals. Like you got to counter them. Or, like they they have much more impact on the game, I think. So. Yeah, and then like, what are the Ragavan decks in the format? Just, just Murktide, right? Murktide is, uh, is the big one. Yeah, I mean, it shows up in in other shells, Death Shadow shells. There's a Rakdos mid range deck that's all just like all the Modern Horizons too. Good stuff, Voidwalkers and Griefs and Furies. But really, it's I guess it's just the best at being a one drop. And you are very right that I feel like Ragavan in some ways. People have learned how to play against it. I think it was worse a year ago when Modern Horizons 2 first came out. It would probably be higher on my list, but I feel like it's been around long enough now that it's just changing the way that people build their decks. It's you're, You have to have an answer. People know now. It's been a year of people losing to Ragavan that people know you gotta be able to block it. You gotta be able to kill it or else it is gonna snowball into a win pretty much by itself. So I think it's had a huge impact on the format and what cards you need to play in your decks to have a chance to be competitive. But at this point, I think the meta is maybe adjusted enough where you're right that it's not the best card, but it can definitely be one of the saltiest cards because it's certainly obnoxious to not have the answer and just lose to a one drop is one of just like the worst yeah. feelings. Modern is so creature heavy nowadays. It's so fair, even though half the stuff feels unfair. It's actually fair, right? It's just <laughs> creatures and they're like attacking and doing stuff. Everyone packs removal. So everyone is ready for Ragavan, even like indirectly. But I actually might argue that Ragavan's not even the best one red drop, Seth. What about Dragon Rage Channeler? Oh, Dragon Rage Channeler is certainly is certainly on the list. It certainly deserves to be mentioned in the same breath as Ragavan. 
I think I probably lose to it more than Raghavan yes. now, which is kind of uh, scary. That might be partly because of the shells that it's in are really strong. Sometimes it shows up alongside Raghavan, but it does so much. We were just talking about Tarmogoyf at the beginning of the cast <laughs> and how uh, filling the graveyard has gotten a little bit easier. And that's one thing that's improved Goyf, even if other forces are working against it. Dragon Rage Channeler's ability to just lightning speed kill the uh, fill the graveyard is so impactful for the decks that want to be playing this. It's improving your draws. It's making sure you're running solid action. You ever play against those Is It decks and you feel like they always are top decking the best thing? That's because they are because they're getting to surveil <laughs> repeatedly with their Dragon Rage Channeler. So of course they're drawing their best thing. That's the power of having Dragon Rage Channeler. And then it's also providing fuel for like your Murktide regions to come down and kill you. So I think that, oh boy, Dragon Rage Channeler doesn't feel as bad as Raghavan. It doesn't give me that, oh my god, if I don't kill this, I'm just gonna, I, I'm dead on turn two from taking a hit from this. But as far as how impactful and strong it actually is, it might actually just be a stronger card at this point in the current meta. Yeah, I, I would fear Dragon Rage Channeler out of Murktide more than a, a Raghavan. I'd rather let them hit me and then try to play my garbage cards. Uh, they're only getting like one token a turn, right? Whereas Dragon Rage Channeler, they're dumping multiple cards in the graveyard a turn. That's powering up their Murktide even faster. And then they're also surveilling into, you know, the counterspell they need or whatever to disrupt me. So given a choice, I think I'd rather have an unchecked monkey hitting me than a DRC <laughs> unchecked. But I don't know. They're, they're both they're both pretty uh, scary, which is why that deck is scary. Um, DRC is weak to graveyard hate though, right? If you have a ley line on the battlefield, it feels a lot better if your opponent has one of those. I mean, speaking of, I mean, weak to graveyard hate, and also <laughs> Ragavods and Dragon Rage Channelers, what about the big finisher from the deck that's currently at the top of the modern meta, the, the Is It Murktide deck? Murktide Regent itself, Murktide's a card that it's certainly become very heavily played, and it's super strong. I've seen it come down on turn two or turn three as like an 8-8 flyer or whatever. It's absurd, like how big and evasive and hard to interact with it is because it doesn't die to Fatal Push. It doesn't die to Unholy Heat a lot of the time, but at the same time, it's kind of just a big delve thing. Is Does this deserve to be thought of as like the best card in modern? Or is this just a slight upgrade over Tombstalker and Gurmag Angler? And the delve mechanic is just like <laughs> upgrade Goyf. Yes, yeah, so maybe an upgraded Goyf. So if you could play it in any deck, fine. It would actually be like probably one of the best cards. But you need very specific setup, right? You need your graveyard and you need to like dump all these instants and sorceries in. So it's limited to basically like one deck. Um, so I don't actually think it's that good and you can just terminate it, right? Like, yes, it like kills you most of the time in this deck, but like if they removed all the other cards from the deck, like I wouldn't be caring about this Murktide, right? Like were you, you know, is Tassiger or Gurmag Angler like that scary? Like, you know, they were solid cards, but I don't know. I, I'd rather have my opponent play Murktides all day than play, uh, any of these other cards on this list. I mean, it is true. It is just a big creature. It's not. ETBing, it it's dies not to Doom snowballing. Blade, right? it, it dies, dies to Doomblade. Like, it dies to it Doom doesn't Blade. have haste. It doesn't hit you right away. So it is true. If you have a removal spell, you can just uh, you can just deal with it. Although it's just so big when it comes down early that it's another card that pressures you very quickly. If you don't have the answer in a timely manner, it can just jank you out by the time before you can find an answer. Like that's the power of the Murktide region. <laughs> Tier one deck janking you out, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what what if we're looking at this all wrong? We got it. Since we're on this, is it topic? 
One argument I've made over the past year, and I'm kind of thinking of it again now, is it's not Raghavan that's truly busted. It's not Dragon Rage Channel, or it's not Merktide. These are all symptoms of the real disease. And the real disease is expressive iteration. Just the card selection, the card advantage that it offers for two mana, the card's busted. It has broken legacy. It's one of the best cards in legacy. It's one of the best cards in modern. It's been banned in other formats. Is Expressive Iteration actually secretly the best card in Modern? And we're we're being silly by talking about all these finishers and support cards when really it's this two mana draw two with card selection built in that is the driving power behind all these cards being so good right now. So if, if I could play Leyline of the Thoughtseize and start the game, <laughs> not not Thoughtseize, like uh, what's what's the card that takes like everything out of your deck, like the Surgical, but you don't have to target oh, yeah. anything. Oh yeah, there's Necromancia, whatever. Yeah, yeah Necromancia. There's right? a like I would hundred percent name expressive iteration against this blue red deck. So I think it is the glue that holds the deck together. Yes, the other cards are literally killing you, but you can one for one all of them, right? You can one for one a Murktide. You can one for one a Dragon Rage Channeler, depending if you count the Surveil or not. You can one for one Ragavan, but you need to literally counterspell the iteration. <laughs> Otherwise, you're you're getting two for one, right? And not only that, like, I don't know, it's just so much advantage, it's so cheap, it, it powers up their strategy. Like, I don't know, it's 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 too good. I I, I think it deserves uh you know mention of strongest card. And it goes in other decks, right? It's not just this tempo deck it goes in. It can go into any deck that's blue-red. So I think it's yeah, really good. But I mean it shows up in the in the five color pile. So it's just so strong at what it does that it shows up everywhere. And I will say it's a card that I think beats me the most in those decks. When you play against the the Murktide deck, what I found a lot of times is, you know, you got to trade off. You got to get rid of the the DRC. You got to get rid of the Ragavan. So you got to be prepared to deal with the Murktide. And your deck, if built properly, can do that. You kill their thing. You kill their thing. The Ragavan's down. You didn't take a hit. You dodge the Murktide. And you're feeling pretty good. And like, okay, like, opponents, you know, about out of cards. I've got through this initial rust, uh, rush of all the broken things. And then it's expressive iteration. And they draw two. And then that hits another expressive iteration and next thing you know you have like two cards in hand your opponent's got seven cards they've rebuilt their board and you're like oh yeah i'm, I'm just done like i i dealt with it the first time but i can't deal with all these things again now that your expressive iteration has has found you more dragon rage channelers and murktides and ragavad so whether or not it's actually the best card in modern that's certainly up for debate but i do think it's the best card in the murktide deck i would say and that is the best deck in modern so if that counts for anything I don't know. That's a, that's a vote, I think, in favor of that being on our list. So another question, Richard. Do you think that we're having a lot of recency bias here? So far in this podcast, <laughs> we've been talking about a lot of Modern Horizons 2. And even we don't talk about Modern Horizons 2. We're talking about Strixhaven, expressive iterations. What about some of the old standbys that maybe aren't as flashy, but have been the foundation of Modern for literally a decade since the format came out? And here I'm thinking of like Lightning Bolt. Thoughtsies, uh, these one mana spells that are still very heavily played. I think currently Lightning Bolt is the most played card in modern. And Thoughtsies, of course, it isn't in the top 10 is most played at the moment, but it still sees a ton of play. Are these cards the best cards in modern? Like maybe we're focusing too much on the flashy new things and forgetting about the power of some of these cards that have been doing it for 30 years now in Magic. Is Lightning Bolt a good card in 2022? <sighs> I would argue no. I mean, I mean, okay, well, no, no. it is a good card, but it's a like wow. undisputed good card. If you had one mana removal, 
would you play Lightning Bolt? And I think there's serious thought into the alternatives, like Unholy Heat, Fatal Push. Uh, do we want to count like Path to Exile, even though no one plays that anymore, right? Like there's a lot of yeah. alternatives that you could always go for. So I, I feel because those alternatives exist, like you cannot call this the undisputed best card. And not a lot of people, like only aggressive strategies play Bolt, right? And I don't know, it doesn't seem... Doesn't seem that scary. What do you what do you think, Seth? So I think that Lightning Bolt is certainly a very good card. There's no doubt that Lightning Bolt has stood the test of time. I think it's still a very, very good card in modern. But I also think you're right that there is competition now. It's not the undisputed best one mana red removal spell. That might be unholy heat, depending on the metagame, depending on your deck. How much do you care about hitting your opponent's face? Uh, how aggressive are you? So I think times have changed to some extent where 10 years ago it was Lightning Bolt and then what, lightning strike or something? You're, you're like going to like the next worst lightning bolt. We're definitely not in that in that stage anymore. So I think lightning bolt is still good, but it's really hard for me to consider one of these like utility cards that at this point is honestly like somewhat replaceable, at least in some decks, to be the best card in the format. It's a card that I'm not going to be sad to have in my deck because it's going to do something in most matchups. Worst case, you just throw it at your opponent's face. But it's hard for me to consider that to be the best card in the format and it really only deals with small creatures i guess or your opponent's face something like thought sees at least i can see a bigger argument for that because that can be the the card that keeps you from getting comboed out essentially that alongside something like force of negation if you run into belcher if you run into some of the other fast combo decks neo brand or something thought sees is going to offer you something that lightning bolt doesn't and really no other card in magic does i know you can inquisition but that's weak against the evoke elementals you can duress but that's going to be weak against the evoke elementals there's nothing else that's just one mana get rid of whatever thing is about to kill me so i would actually probably rank thought seize ahead of lightning bolt in terms of best card in modern even though it doesn't see as much play as lightning bolt right now but well, you're a thought seize connoisseur richard what about thought seize i think thought seize is significantly better than lightning bolt but I don't even, does it even show up in the top 50 nowadays? I it's, feel, it's like 23, so it's it's down there, but it does show up. A so bit. It's a bit of a boomer card in that it doesn't do what it used to. Like, the problem nowadays is when you thought see someone, every card in their hand is good, and you can't just take, like, you know, the best one and then leave them with, like, the garbage and then you win, right? Like, it's they're all good. They're all two-for-one-ing you off the top. Uh, you don't even see half the cards because they're hidden behind a bobble. Uh, so those are reasons to not play Thoughtseize anymore. Uh, but Thoughtseize like, enables decks that are not blue to fight against combo decks, right? To have like an undisputed answer to something you cannot remove, right? If you're playing Mono Black, you can try to Thoughtseize the Blood Moon out. I guess you're playing Mono Black, you don't care about Thoughts uh, Blood Moon. <laughs> <laughs> but like if there's like an ensnaring bridge or you know, there's something that you do not have removal for, like your Thoughtseize is your get out of jail card, right? So you know, I, I think it's still a good card, but I think it's significantly worse uh, than it was like a couple of years ago because like there's just no good Thoughtseize targets. Like everything kills you and everything's a two for one now, right? Like you're just trying to disrupt their plan as best you can, but it's it, it's not as disruptible as it was like a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, I think that is true. It's not as easy to disrupt and it's much harder to run people out of cards. We've talked about this in multiple formats, but there's so much 
virtual card advantage or literal card advantage is tacked on to threats these days. Like Raghavan's an example of this, but you also have Okos and all these cards that like in some way or another, or you had Uro in the past that are generating card advantage that I think makes Thoughtseize a little bit less effective as a value card. Like in the past, just like getting your opponent's best card when everyone's one for one each other, that's pretty good. But today, if you're not snagging that combo piece or that thing that's literally going to kill you and you're just getting a random card, it's kind of like you're getting half of a card almost because you know your opponent's going to have ways to refill their hand anyway. So just like running your opponent out of action is not a super legitimate plan anymore for most uh, most decks, which I think hurts Thoughtseize a little bit there as well. Also, mana costs are so low. Like the, the tempo loss you get for Thoughtseizing someone is a lot more significant. Like back in the day when you could play four drops, like, you know, it felt pretty good to thought seize someone. But now you're only thought seizing like a one or two mana spell. And on top of that, you spent a mana, right? Which is significant, right? One mana could be a, a death shadow or something today, right? Like it's a game ender, right? So spending that mana actually matters. And then you're not actually getting much done with it too. So, yeah. Speaking of death shadow, I mean, is that even in the, the conversation? It is the biggest thing compared to its mana cost, although it obviously has pretty specific requirements, and it's hard for me to rank those cards super high, almost like you mentioned with Murktide Regent. Like, Murktide, if it did its thing, and it did it in any deck, and you didn't have to build around it, it would probably be the best creature in Modern, but because you have to put a lot of effort in cards into supporting it to make it good, it's hard to consider it the best card overall. Death Shadow's kind of the same way. Like, in the Death Shadow deck, it's a one mana whatever, 12-12 or something absurd. Like, it's so big so quickly, but you can't just really jam it in any deck because it has these very specific requirements. How do you rank something like Death Shadow when you're talking about the best cards in Modern? I don't think it's even played anymore, right? <laughs> like, if you wanted to play Grixis Death Shadow, you should just play Blue-Red Murktide. I think that's the consensus. It does, like, the same thing but better. So I think because it's, like, kind of rotated out of the metagame you can't consider it one of the best cards right i mean it does there is still a grixis death shadow deck that sees play but that deck is also like death shadow dragon rage channeler ragavan ledger shredder <laughs> like it's a list of new cards that are very very strong and maybe maybe there's an argument that death shadow is like the worst card in that deck <laughs> like it's <laughs> kind of like yeah whatever like i got a couple more slots might as well <laughs> like you could you could do all the same things without reducing your life to like one lightning bolt away from death right <laughs> so yeah. like yeah, there like, is a doubt I think it's like the fairest card, right? Like if you run up against a burn player, I'm pretty sure you're just dead, right? Like so I think it actually has counterplay. It is kind of fair. Um, but I mean, okay, it's gotten power crept with uh oh, what's that two mana spell where it just becomes a 13-13 that cycles. Oh, uh, dress down. Dress down. Dress down. Dress down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's gotten some tricks up its sleeve, right? Or it also got like Ranger Captain of Eos, things like that more recently, right? So it, it's gotten upgrades over time so it's still hanging in there but you know i consider it like goif it's like a you know it, it does stuff right but there's probably a better thing to do with the thing it's trying to do currently but it still can get it done speaking of dress down i don't think that's top 
you know, best card in modern currently, but that card is among the 10 most played cards in the format. And that card gets me a lot, like because it ETB draws, it's really easy to play in any deck. And uh, along with comboing with your death shadow, you can do some pretty sweet shenanigans with that card, getting your opponent fizzling their ETBs or whatever. So I don't think it's the best card, but it is a card that is way more notable than I expected when I saw it. I thought it was kind of just a throwaway card, but it's actually just like, <laughs> Kind of moving in towards like staple status. What, what do now. people do with it? I, 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 I see it everywhere, but I don't know. Like I see it used aggressively in Death Shadow, but like what do you do with it defensively? Like you, you try to blank and evoke elemental, but then they get the elemental. Like what do you? Yeah, I mean basically you fizzle the oh, whatever your Omnas ETB trigger. Does your it kill? Look, does it kill card tokens? It does, right? Uh, Constructs. Uh, Yes, I think it should okay, kill okay, the okay. I can see as well. This. I can see this. We need Krim here. This, is, this sounds like a control card. It kills all the <laughs> constructs at once. Okay, I, I get behind this. Speaking of constructs, I mean, there is a Modern Horizons 2 stable we haven't talked about, which is Urza Saga. Urza Saga is a card. If Krim was here, I'm sure he would be clamoring for <laughs> being very high on our list today. I think there's actually a legit argument that this might be one of the best cards in the format. Yes, there is some amount of a requirement. It does kind of care about artifacts. It's not going to be at its best if your deck doesn't have support for it. But we've also seen it show up in a lot of different builds from Hammer Time to finding amulets and Primeval Titan decks to Affinity Shells. It makes such huge tokens and it comes attached to a land and it doesn't really cost you a card. Urza Saga's bonkers. Is it the best card in modern, Richard? I think this is the first serious contender, <laughs> like a, yeah. a current metagame, like one, like because elementals were a cycle, right? They're kind of cheating, right? You're, you're kind of taking all yeah. your trauma from furies and solitudes and griefs and endurances and rolling them into one. But Saga is just like a one card win con and it comes on a land and it's so strong that people just play random like Jun Saga. You're like, huh? Right. Yeah. You're like affinity. I get right. Hammer time. I get. But, like, Amulet Titan, right? Like, they're going down to land, but they don't care, right? They're like, I'll still take yeah. it, right? Like, chump blockers, like, uh, uh, a free amulet, multiple amulets. Um, I think it is one of the linchpins of current current modern. So, I think it deserves, like, it's got to be top three maybe top five like it's, it's got to be like really yeah. high up there if not the absolute number one i mean the jundex playing is it, it, playing it is what really sold me i mean obviously card's powerful playing against it and playing with it also sold me on it but it's like intuitive in hammer time look it's your classes hammer you got a bunch of artifacts the constructs are going to be big or affinity or like the asmore food deck you're grabbing your one-man artifacts which your deck is built around so that makes complete sense to me but when you see jun playing it with like no artifacts and actually adding random like necrogen spell bombs to their deck <laughs> like cards that no one would ever play just so you can snag them with your urza saga that's what really puts it over the top for me so i think you're i would definitely vote for this to be in the top three for least i think maybe there's a conversation for number one but really this stands out and the opportunity cost of it being a land is just it's so low it's colorless you can put it in any deck if you want to which is something that isn't true about most of these other cards. We've been talking about Merktide. You need a specific deck. Even the Evoke Elementals, you got to have specific colors of cards. You can't play Endurance in your Mono White deck or something. It's just not going to work. This you can play in any deck that you want to. So I think that Urza Saga is actually like a legit contender for best current card in Modern.
what else? What else is contender? What else is on your list, Richard, that could be contending uh, with Urza Saga and Fetchlands? Jun Saga. The reason you're playing Jun Saga, this nonsense, <laughs> is Renin 6, right? You keep looping Ooh. these Urza Sagas. You keep taking them back. Uh, you you fix your mana. We're talking about Fetchlands fixing your mana. Renin 6 fixes your mana. I would probably say it's probably the most important card in that Omnath deck, right? The Money Pile decks yep. to actually get your mana working. Uh, and it's somehow gotten better because now you can like loop the Seijus and stuff for fun with Ren and Six, right? So I think Ren and Six deserves a spot here. And it like destroys any X1s, right? There's a reason why people don't play X1s anymore. And, uh, you know, being a one-two on utility creature is very important because you can survive the Ren and Six. So I think Ren and Six deserves a shot here. Oh, Ren and Six is certainly in the conversation. It is essential to a lot of different decks. It shows up in everything from two color up to the five color piles. It's very, very strong. It's ultimate, while not being super obvious, is actually something that can win the game. Like, and it is something that happens on occasions. There's a lot of X1s that need to be sniped, so it's relevant in a lot of matchups that way. Worst case, it's getting back lands that draw cards. It's getting back fetch lands to make sure you don't land drop every turn, which kind of turns it into a weird ramp spell in a roundabout way. However, if I'm gonna go with a Planeswalker, it might just be Teferi Time Raveler. I feel like when it comes to winning and losing games, Ren, it beats you, but it beats you very subtly. When it comes to Teferi, that's the card that just like comes down, bounces your thing, and then lets your opponent combo off and says, no, you can't interact <laughs> with this. Or it locks all the counter spells out of your uh, hand so your opponent can cast whatever they want to and you can't interact with them. I think that Teferi in the world of Planeswalkers might just actually be even stronger than, than Ren in current modern. But what, what do you think, Richard? Which of those would you go with if you could only go with one? I don't think Teferi's that good. I mean, so so Teferi <laughs> does a very important thing, which is destroys all Cascade decks in Modern, right? Yeah. So when you play Omnath Pile, you're you're kind of super weak to combo decks, and your Planeswalker, your value Planeswalker, shutting down entire archetypes is very handy. Uh, but if you're like... You know, if I'm playing a, a, a counterspell deck, then yes, three fairies is like horrendous. But if I'm just playing an, any other deck, it's just like three mana bounce, like two for one. It's not that bad. It is a little okay. annoying. They can prismatic ending you like at instant speed now, or like they can try to thought seize, but no one plays those colors uh, like at instant speed on your draw step. So I think three fairy is strong, but like I don't even think it's the strongest card in that deck. <laughs> like I think there are like several other cards I would be trying to thought seize out of money pile hands before I would even start thinking about three fairy. I think it, it probably depends a little bit on what you're playing. If you're you're junning them out or something, that's true. But if you're trying to play instant speed or uh, trying to cascade or use certain combos that you need to protect, then Teferi becomes a pretty big issue. But yeah, maybe Ren is is better just overall. I guess I don't know. That's that's definitely a tough one. Ooh. All right, here's one for you, Richard. I think so far, every card we've talked about, you actually got to draw it, which is a drawback in 2022. You actually have 60 cards in your deck, and you got to you gotta find that card. Your uh, Red in Six or your Teferi does nothing if it's sitting in the bottom half of your deck and you never find it. What about Yarion Sky Nomad? I know Yarion. <laughs> it's just a four or five. It just blinks stuff. 
but it essentially is there every single game. Sure, there's a three mana tax now, but for Yarion, yeah, it shows up in the money pile decks, which makes sense because you actually got stuff to blink, but it shows up in death and taxes. We have 80 card merfolk decks that are playing more merfolks than they have to just so you can have this free four or five flyer hanging out in your companion zone. Does the fact that it's just always there in the way the companion mechanic works, does that make Yarion the best card in modern? Pretty good. Speaking of ruining entire <laughs> archetypes, I think, uh, <laughs> look at all these cards in the same deck that ruined entire archetype. I think Yarion has destroyed any control or mid-range deck that is not playing Yarion, right? Like, if you try to grind yeah. out a Yarion deck, you're going to lose, right? You you get to some game state where you're out of resources, and they're like, okay, Yorion, draw five cards. Now do something, <laughs> right? Oh, I have a four or five flyer, too. I don't even know what the power and toughness on Yorion is, by the way. But it's yeah, that, big. that is correct. And it kills you. <laughs> so it is very strong. But it only goes in that one deck. And you got to play so many cards. I think it's probably you one do. of the most banworthy cards that we're talking about. Is it the strongest? Maybe. Uh, I mean, banworthy maybe just because of of the mechanic and how it works but that's true like it, it, a lot of games you don't even see it maybe that's well you always see it but a lot of games it doesn't actually hit the battlefield i played against money pile plenty of times and they just beat me without ever getting their yari they just do it with their omnas and do it with their other the other, the other money cards are doing yeah, the job that... <laughs> he's the closer he yeah, doesn't they... need to come in the game is a blowout <laughs> but but there is a ton of power in having that inevitability where like, yeah, the game gets grindy. Yeah, you trade off a bunch. You do the whole one for one thing. And eventually you get to the point where everyone's like kind of done their big thing and you're waiting for someone to win the game. If you're the player that has the Yari on, you're at a huge advantage, even if it's drawing one card with its CTB. And it often is doing way more than that, you know, resetting uh, solitudes or resetting furies or whatever, along with blinking abundant growth or whatever ETB card draw stuff you have, Ice Fang Coatl. Uh, so it does give you this absurd amount of inevitability even if you don't actually have to use it just like having that there i think is is incredibly powerful and because we have so many cards on our list today of powerful cards the cost of playing 80 cards is not that high anymore like there's just so many strong cards in 2022 that your 80 card decks don't really look that much worse than your 60 card decks honestly yeah, I mean the the real hit is to your wallet, right? Like you got to Yeah. Normally like oh this mythic rare I just have two of them in my deck. Well, now I have your I need four of them. I need even more fetches and shocks and whatever and like it's it's called money pile. I think in large part because of Yorion, right? Like if it was actually just a 75 card deck, it would be significantly less. Yeah, that's that is true. That would cut down the price quite a bit. Oh. What and maybe do you have anything else for for our current modern list? Because I got I got another question for you in a minute. All right, I, I think speaking of free cards, speaking of boomer cards, leyline of the void, <laughs> the hero we all yes. need in times of darkness. <laughs> right? Is this not like uh, the card that everyone clamors to? Like when anything bad is happening in modern, like oh my god, it's like four leylines main deck, right? Main deck, let's go. <laughs> Right? Is this not the hero we need, Seth? <laughs> it uh, it is kind of modern's force of will, as close as as close as you can get, almost. Where it is a card where the meta gets to this spot where everything's a mess, and Hogax running wild or Merc Tide is going to town. You're getting dredged. That is that is the hero. That is the hero that gives you a chance to keep up. Whether or not we can consider, you know, a a sideboard card that in some metas is amazing, the best card in the format, and other metas is 
not even really played and doesn't show up in sideboard slots. Whether that can be the best card in modern, I don't know. Is the current meta in a place where lane lines is stable? I mean, I love my lane lines. I play lane lines in so many decks, but if you look at the meta, like, I don't know, how good is it right now? It's good against Murktide, I guess, but we're not really in a dredge format. It doesn't really stop the Cascade decks. It stops, is it good it stops enough? living in. It stops. Yeah, that's true. It does stop. Okay, okay. In. Here's the question. Depends on how good your deck is, right? Do you bring it in against <laughs> Money Pile? Like, if we say Ren oh. and Six is the glue that holds that deck together, if you slap the Leyline down, you're good, right? The problem is Leyline has been power crept, right? Now we have Poseidus to for free kill your Leylines. You have uh, Force of Vigor, like, for free to kill your Leylines. So it used to be that you slap this bad boy down against, like, any graveyard deck, and you're like, good job, I won. But now they just wait two turns, kill it, and then destroy you. Um, so... It's still important, right? But you can't just lean on it. I still think it's good, right? Like, depending on how bad your deck is against the other deck. Like, can you afford to just bring in Ley Lines and, and hope hope for it? Because all decks use their graveyard as a resource now, right? But the real question is, is it worth bringing Ley Lines to stop, like, say, a Murktide Regent, right? Like, what, you know, what if you draw these? What if you can't cast it? You're not even playing black. Um, or what if they just kill you with, like, Ragavans, right? But... It has uses. It still does slow this oh. deck down a lot. It, it certainly does have uses. Although, if I'm going to try to play an enchantment to deal with the top tiers of the meta, what about just Bloodman? Bloodman is still an incredibly powerful card that can come down on turn two and essentially just lock amulet titans or money piles or a lot of other decks out of really doing much of anything for several several turns although it does have kind of the same issue you were just talking about with leyline we're in a world where there's besages we're in a world with march of otherworldly light being a stable with force of vigor being a stable with assassins trophies floating around so there are prismatic endings so there's a lot of cards that can interact with it now but just in terms of like hey, I got this one card. My deck definitely can't beat yours, but if I stick <laughs> this one card, I got a shot. I think that Blood Moon is probably still the best at that in Modern, right? Which maybe makes it the best card since it's the one card that can maybe just lock someone out of the game and give you a free win. So you used to be able to jank people out with Modern, but like, you know, Omnath decks have Blood Moon in their sideboard to bring in against like Titan deck. Like they don't even care. Like four or five color money pile decks. They're like, yes, I need the Blood Moon in my sideboard because they have the enchantments to fix their mana, right? They have red and six to fix their mana. They don't even care. So yeah. I would actually argue Blood Moon is not that effective. If, if the four or five color deck in the format is not scared of Blood Moon, like I don't know what we're doing with this card anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's that is true. It breaks my heart. But you're also right. Yeah, I guess it doesn't just beat four or five color decks. And if you just look at the meta, Murktide, they don't care. They have Blood Moons in their sideboard sometimes. Burn doesn't really care about Blood Moon. So several of the just like straight up top curious decks in modern are either playing Blood Moons themselves or just really don't care about yeah, you playing Tron, Blood Moon. Tron has so been pushed out of the meta. There's no point for, for Blood Moon. I guess Amulet <sighs> Titan is like still kind of played and a blood moon might help you against them but then again they have so many ways to get rid of blood moon and they've been playing against blood moon like their entire lives so they, they're, they're fine with it and and they can get you with their dryad too thanks to the whole layering thing if they get the timing right so yeah it's wait, not wait. it's oh, not the as dryad good as it gets around blood moon. <laughs> 
I didn't even know that. It, it depends on who plays it first. If Dryad comes down after Blood Moon, it wins. But if your Blood Moon comes down after the Dryad, then Blood Moon wins. So there's this weird, weird layers stuff that goes on. The only reason I know anything about layers is play, playing Blood Moon <laughs> against people. That's taught me how layers work a very little bit. I just need to know, magic. does it stop, infect, what happens? <laughs> Oh, all right. So I got I got another question for you. We've talked about a lot of really powerful cards today. I don't know. Do we ever come up with a with a number one card? What's our actual pick for best card in in current modern? I still say what, fetch is, lands. what would you go in? I say fetch, fetch lands. lands. I, th I think okay. If if you went to a new player who's getting into modern, and I'm like, buy this card. It will be the best card in the format of all time. It'll go in every single deck. And be the thing you want in your opening hand. Like it's gotta be Fetchlands, right? They're they're never gonna be replaced. They're never gonna be banned. They're never gonna be bad. <laughs> yes. If you could own one thing to build your modern collection, if your goal is to play optimal builds of Tier Modern, Fetchlands are the choice. I don't even think there's there's any debate about it. I still think we could make arguments for other cards. Like I would still maybe throw my hand in the ring for Urza Saga, whether or not that actually deserves to beat out Fetchlands. That's certainly debatable. If I was gonna tell a new player to buy one card, it wouldn't be Saga, it'd be Fetchlands. But just overall power coming attached to a land and how much that card does for zero mana, it's it's pretty off the charts, and it's also a colorless card, so it can show up in any uh, any deck. So I whether or not that honestly beats out Fetchlands, I'm not sure, but I think I still want it to at least, I'm going to make it my pick. I'm going to make it my pick. Don't buy it over Fetchlands, but it might actually just be the most single most powerful card in modern right, right, right not, now. Not Fetchland pick for me. It's got to be Tarmogoyf. Who else <laughs> has like eight printings <laughs> and like four arts or whatever, right? Like no no one else on this list does. <laughs> who has the most Provo printings? Who has the most alternate artworks? It's Tarmogoyf. Okay. Yeah, that that is true. If we if we are judging by how many times <clears throat> my card has been reprinted with different art, then uh, Tarmogoyf is definitely S tier alongside Giant Spider. I think maybe but Giant. How growth. many of these cards have been money picked in a top eight draft? Like, come on, come on, it's Tarmogoyf. Well, I'm actually glad you brought this up because my question for you, now that we've talked about current modern. How do you think this current crop of modern cards stands up against the literal most broken cards in the history of uh, of the format? So we only got a few minutes left in the cast. We can't go super deep on this. But when you consider the most broken best cards in the history of modern, then you start tossing in Hogax that just broke the format. Maybe Eye of Ugin from Eldrazi Winter Era. You got Splinter Twins. You got Birthing Pods. What do you think? Like, do these current cards, are they the best, even if you throw in these older cards? Or are they just the best right now in the flavor of the year because of Modern Horizons 2? I feel most of them would be Powercraft or would be just okay. Like, some of them, maybe like a handful will still be insanely broken. But I think most of the historical best cards would not hold up today in today's metagame. Like, do we think Uro was still really good? I mean, that didn't get banned that long ago. I think Uro would still be pretty good. Would it be as good as it was? Maybe not with Solitude answering it or whatever, but I think it would still be a very good card in modern. Like, who's ramping? Like, we don't we don't ramp anymore, right? Like <laughs> uh, Those five-color piles where you get back your Ren land, and then you Uro it, then you put it into play, and then you Omnath. Like, I think you'd just okay, slot okay, it right okay, into okay, the five-color okay, okay. piles. Splinter Twin. I get, this is hotly debated. Is this... Oh, a thing. No. Do you even put it in a blue red tempo shell or blue red control or anything? Like, 
Are you really? So like, okay. Are you really gonna take your isn't Murktide deck, drop all the broken Modern Horizons two cards, and play Pestermite? <laughs> Pestermite. You drop your Ragavans for Pestermites. You drop your Murktides for Deceiver Exarchs. You drop your Dragon Rage Channelers for Splinter Twins and go to town. I I don't think so. I think I think no. It's probably just been power crept out of the format. Like, wouldn't you just keep playing the good cards instead of playing this janky old enchantment that used to be good five years ago, seven years ago? All right, have a have a eye of Ugin. Is eye of oh, Ugin still busted. good? What did that deck even do? Uh, <laughs> like you play eye of Actually, Ugin and then you like turn to Thought Not Seer. Like, is this where we're at? Or you draw a bunch of what was it? The, the, maybe, what was the two mana oh, Eldrazi for free? Like, yeah, Eldrazi, really, Eldrazi mimic, get him. <laughs> is this a thing? Like, <laughs> uh, maybe Eldrazi's been power crept enough that it would be okay now i can't well, believe i'm saying these you, you words, use it in but... tron like who's playing tron anymore right like what do you what do you even do with this i, I mean it does give you some nice inevitability with uh, being able to tutor up a colorless creature each turn for the late game which i think is is pretty powerful but if you look at eldrazi decks like they're kind of Eldrazi Tron is the dominant Eldrazi deck. No other Eldrazi decks really see serious play. And those decks, it's like, yeah, some Reality Smashers and Thought Not Seers, and then a bunch of, you know, Tron stuff, a bunch of Karns and Chalice of the Voids and so forth. So I don't even know. Maybe it would be fine now. It's hard for me to imagine. Hmm. It's hard for me to think that people are going to go back to playing Eldrazi Mimics and some of those, like, lesser Reality Eldrazi in 2022. Into your Murktide. Okay, next. Yeah. yeah, maybe Eldrazi's powered down enough that it would actually just it would actually just be fine in the format. I can't believe I'm saying that, but... Like, okay, not, not I mean, it's not playable. Luris. Luris would still... Okay, like, you know, Luris is too soon. <laughs> we know what that would do. Luris would destroy Okay. Oko? Has it been long enough? I think Oko would be really good. So wait, yeah. Wait, so Oko comes down and goes to six loyalty, so still theoretically dies to unholy heat if you were fast enough. So Ooh, I think we have more true. game against Oko, but I still think Oko is like really, really strong. <laughs> yeah. I, what about okay? Here's here's a, maybe a more interesting one. These ones have been a while. Cruise and dig through time. I mean, we got Murktide's killing us. What about Cruise and Dig Through Time? Like, they see playing Pioneer, Wizards won't ban them in that format for some reason, but there's no fetch lands there. Would they still be that scary in 2022 modern? I guess maybe because Murktide is already so good, <laughs> I, but then you're also, like, pressuring your Murktides. cast Cruise instead of a Murktide, I would just concede. <laughs> I, I want them to cast a Murktide after filling the graveyard, like... Because then at least you can kill it, right? Yeah, you, now they just chance. have, like, more counter spells and more expressive iterations to back up, like, the one Ragavan that's killing me, right? Like, so I don't want to see them with Cruise or Dig Through Time. I mean, Faithless Looting is another one that's interesting, although that one, because of the Murktide deck, I'm just so skeptical of it being okay. Like, think, would, would, would Murktide play Faithless Looting? When you snap play it with your Dragon Rage Channelers and get cards in the graveyard, man, they can I fill the graveyard so fast that I don't know that it's worth the card disadvantage for them to even do this. But maybe. Hmm. Like, what about I, I, what about Hogak? Oh, I was gonna say we might need Faithless Looting to get the unfair decks back. Like we don't have any unfair decks in the meta. I don't know exactly what happened. That's right. That's true. <laughs> like we, yeah, we need Storm is... or something back, right? Like what's going on, right? Like so maybe we need Faithless Looting back to power up the unfair decks. Uh, I mean. Is every deck fair now or is every deck unfair? I guess it depends on how you look at it. It seems like 
uh, so many decks in modern can just like accidentally win on turn three, like Amulet Titans or Hammer Times or Living Ends. Even if the game isn't like literally over, they do their huge thing on turn three. That's when you're cascading into your big stuff or getting out of your primeval Titan or have a hammer on something or playing a Karn if you're still trotting for some reason. Is that fair then? Because you're playing creatures and equipments, I, I, I or is that unfair because you're doing something powerful fast? Those are unfair. But, you know, they rely on creatures, so you can just remove the prime time and be good. But, like, the rest of the meta, like, Muddy Pile, uh, Hammer, Murktide, like, those are all fair decks, right? Even though, like, Deathrite Shaman decks, or not Deathrite Shaman, Death Shadow decks, they're all fair decks. Like, you don't get, like, the, like, even, like, the creativity decks, you interact with removal, right? Like, we don't actually have, like, the storm-based decks or, like, kind of, like, the dredged-based decks or things like that anymore. Like, they're all kind of gone, like, oh. We have, like, Belcher. I don't know. Like, we don't have too many oh, just strict that's, unfair. That is that is a really good point. That's true. Like, the history of Modern was at various times dominated by Storm. Storm has probably been targeted by more bannings than any other deck in the format, and we just don't really have decks that work like that anymore. Everything is, even the unfair decks, are infecting or hammering or Yagmoth comboing. They're still trying to win with creatures and playing like a relatively, I guess in a traditional sense, fair game plan that can be interacted with with removal. Yeah, maybe we do need more of those unfair decks. Maybe that's maybe that's what modern well, big, is missing. Big mana? I don't know what happened to big mana decks. Uh, yeah, they're gone too. Like you can't go over the top. Like I don't know why they don't just make it there or something, right? But like, yeah, we don't. It's it's all like theoretically jundable, Seth. I look at the meta and I'm like, Jun can take this. <laughs> we can take but, our forty percent win rate to the bank. <laughs> but but in practice, Richard, how does Jun actually do? <laughs> Not good because our our yeah. cards are less efficient than. <laughs> Like, they, they have one mana creature that kills you. You have, like, one mana removal or two mana removal if you draw it, right? Like, the, the efficiency trade-off is not there. But theoretically, if you just had, like, creatures and removal that were efficient enough, you could attack this metagame, right? Which is what all the, the decks are, right? Like, super efficient creatures, like Construct Tokens, Hammer Time things, Evoke Elementals, which are free. Like, they're all just super efficient, like, removal and creatures, yeah, I mean, that is that is where we're at. That is 2022 modern. That is more, uh, modern horizons to modern. So let us know. I mean, if you're if you're someplace uh, watching this, listening to this, where there's comments, I'm curious what y'all would pick as your best current modern card and best modern card of all time if you are, uh, are interested, because there's certainly a ton to talk about. Yes, we have a lot of busted cards, but even after this whole conversation, outside of maybe fetch lands, there's quite a few cards that I think you can make a reasonable argument about being the best card in modern right now. From Evoke Elementals to Urza Sagas to Lightning Bolts, their expressive iterations. There's a very, very long list. So I think it's actually a pretty, uh, pretty interesting and in-depth topic. So anyway, Richard, any uh, any other thoughts on modern or anything today? Uh, no, let's move on to fish mail. Uh, if you have questions, ah. send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, at Tax Brendan, thoughts on the recently announced CEH tournament by Cassius Marsh and Frankensons? Uh, I've got mixed feelings on this. Uh, is this where EDH is heading? Uh, I'm not familiar with this tournament. Although I will say, I think it's important to separate out CDH from EDH or Casual Commander. I think that CDH 
is heading towards being a tournament format. I think that's kind of the part of the goal of CDH is to have that competitive experience while playing commander but i wouldn't say that this is where commander as a whole is heading i still think that even though cdh is growing it seems like and that's awesome still the way that most people play commander and i expect this to be true pretty much forever is super casually on their kitchen table with their friends at lgs at a command fest that's how most people are playing commander so uh I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried that casual commander is, you know, being taken over by CDH or anything like that. If anything, I think it's cool that there's CDH tournaments. Uh, tournament commander isn't my thing, but if I was going to play a commander tournament, I definitely would want it to be CDH because I think that casual commander tournaments are really uh, not great experiences. That's not what casual commander is about. Yeah. I mean, I think people who want to play CDH they have a tournament to play in, right? So I think that's really good. But I don't think that means this replaces like all regular EDH gameplay or anything, right? I don't think your play group's going to disband and go play CDH just because there's a tournament going on, right? So I think it's just a product for someone else. Oh, the, the perfect Watsy, <laughs> right? <laughs> like it's just for CDH players. I wouldn't read too much into it about like what it means for normal EDH, right? Yeah. B Ganger 3. Would a two mana mana rock that costs two colored mana adds two adds two colored mana and ETB's tapped too good for modern. So green white casting and then you tap it as green white. Uh, Is this playable? What do you do with this? <laughs> I mean, I, I think it would probably be fine, actually. It would probably be very strong in commander. I think that's actually the first the first thing I thought of is maybe it's too strong for commander. But uh, as far as modern, I don't know. It still gets prismatic ending. It still gets got by, you know, March of Otherworldly Light. There's a ton of things that can answer it. Yeah, I think it'd be fine for modern. I don't even know, like, who would who would play the, maybe an artifact deck if you really care about artifact synergies. But it's got to be a ramp deck, right? Like, why would an artifact deck try to ramp two mana? They're like, yeah. Affinity plays everything for free. Uh, hammer time, their max casting costs like one mana or something, right? <laughs> like, what would you do with this? I, I think yeah, it's got to be like I, Amulet I, Titan or, or something. Like, you know, someone trying to get to six mana to do something, right? But I don't know what that would be. Yeah, maybe Tronless Tron or something like that. Some sort of, some sort of <laughs> weird ramp deck could take advantage of it. I feel like a Titan deck would probably just stick with the land ramp. They the like, lands. they care so much yeah. about lands. Yeah. Lands. All right, uh, last question. Silver Alex K, regarding universes beyond, specifically Lords of the Rings, how different it feels losing to an active Gandalf the White would it be than against Teferi Hero Dominaria? In a tournament setting, of course. Is it any more or less salty that you're losing to Gandalf than Teferi? Is there a difference? <laughs> I mean... No, for me, not not really. But I also, I could see how for some people, like the, the whole breaking your immersion thing or whatever. Although, honestly, like Lord of the Rings, I feel like is magic adjacent enough that it's going to be not a huge issue. If it was Fortnite that was like the top tier card in modern or something, I think people would be a lot saltier about it. But I think Lord of the Rings is fantasy enough that. It, that it'll be fine and won't actually make a, a big deal. Although I am like a little concerned just about the power level of that set. I feel like the more I think about it, that's I think the Modern Horizons slot. Like I think <laughs> maybe Lord of the Rings is Modern Horizons 3. And uh, I'm not worried about it being Gandalf that beats me. I'm just worried about how are you going to top Raghavan? How are you going to top Murktide Regent? Like I, I don't care what name is on there, what IP is on there, but 
we might see some really strong cards in the set if that really is you know modern horizons 3 essentially just reskinned as lord of the rings it's just more memeable right today we have a monkey killing us tomorrow it'll be gandalf and we can make so many gandalf memes and complain <laughs> right so yeah i don't i don't think it's a big deal I, I will say though that the the D and D set is finally paying dividends. I was watching Stranger Things, and I'm like Vecna. Oh yes, I recognize that name. <laughs> I'm like yes. I'm not. I'm not in the total dark. Yes. <laughs> ah, I think that was Wizard's goal to improve your uh, Stranger Things. Experience. It, it did nothing to improve my my magic experience, but now I can watch season four of Stranger Things. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, uh, how should people let us know about future fish mail, Richard? All right. If you have future questions, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail. We'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 393 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Let us know in the comments uh, what modern card you think is the best of all time and currently. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have a spectacular week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out. <laughs>